All right, thank you, Brian. It's uh, good to see all of you here in the room today. Welcome back, students. Glad you're with us today. I want to say a few words to those of you who are joining us online, especially those of you who are here in the Manhattan area. And we just want to acknowledge that some of you have not come back to in-person services for almost two years uh, because of COVID concerns. Others of you came for a while and because of this recent spike have decided to join us worship again online. And we just want to acknowledge that this is a strange time to be alive and you have tough decisions to make. And we just want to, we just want to say we absolutely fully respect the decisions you're making for your own health and, and uh, according to your own discernment. And so we do look forward to the day when we can all be back together uh, together in person worshiping, but until that time, you have our blessing, and we just want God's best for you. Thank you for joining online. Well, today we're going to wrap up a two-week series on work. We began last week, and here at Faith, we talk about work as the main thing you do every week, whether you get paid for it or not. And so your work is the main contribution you, you make every week. And so your work may involve business, you may be in education, you may be in building trades, design of some type, you might be in the army, you might be a counselor, you might be in a healthcare profession, uh, you might be a realtor, your student, your work involves going to class, studying, preparing for a career, uh, your work might involve caring for your children or someone else's. This stage of your life, your work may involve primarily volunteering. And so your work could look a lot of different ways. Some of you hear that list and you say, yeah, I have a full-time job and a part-time job. Some of you say, I have two full-time jobs. Others of you say, I have four part-time jobs. So whatever your case, keep whatever the case for you, keep that in mind as we talk this morning. <clears throat> in every type of work, there is some type of performance review. Somebody is evaluating your work. And so in some situations, it's very formal, very, very focused. In others, other situations, it's very informal and undefined. And so in some situations, you have an employer or a board or a supervisor, and they evaluate your performance regularly, and that determines your compensation and your advancement. Other situations, uh, the people who take advantage of your work or benefit from your work, they're the ones that evaluate you. Your clients, your customers, they evaluate you and decide, do I still want to avail myself of their services, of your services, or of someone else's? In other situations, honestly, the performance review comes years and years and years later. Your students, your kids, your parishioners think back and they go, wow, that was an amazing experience or not so much, right? And so we all have performance reviews of some type. And I would encourage, I would, I would assert that it really matters what other people think about your work. Because if people don't respect who you are in the workplace, if they don't respect the actual work you do, they're not going to let you influence them in significant ways. They're not going to want to know about your faith, for example. But if, you, if they do respect who you are, how you do your work, man, the sky is the limit. Today we're going to see from Colossians 3 that there is yet another performance review about which all of us should care. 
And the passage Brian read, he, he actually, Paul actually tells bondservants, slaves, and masters, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve, and he cares uh, uh, very personally about the work that you do. He is watching. He is evaluating. And so he, he reviews our work, the work that we do, whether we realize it or not. And whether that's good news to you or bad news to you depends on who you understand God to be, right? And uh, immediately you might think, oh, that's bad. God's looking at me. He just wants to come down hard on me. But if you, if you look at Matthew 25 sometime, the parable of the talents, turns out just the opposite is true. God is not a harsh taskmaster who is waiting in heaven for you to mess up so that he can judge you. Actually, God is a generous, gracious God who supplies you with everything you need to serve him, and he is waiting to catch you doing the right thing in your work. He loves pronouncing on you at the end of the day, well done. And so I hope that today that you, you leave here believing not only that you should serve the Lord through your work, but that you can serve the Lord in your work with his help. The context of uh, Colossians 3 is very significant, and it should inform the way we hear this passage. <clears throat> As Brian read that passage, it might have been shocking to you. Okay, Paul is talking to bond servants, aka slaves and masters. Well, that was the situation in the first century. People came to Christ from all different walks of life, all different stations in life. And so you would have in one church, slaves and masters worshiping together. And Paul didn't uh, in any way condone slavery. He didn't in any way endorse slavery. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, in another passage, 1 Corinthians 7, he says, slaves, if you have the opportunity to, to gain your freedom, by all means do it. And Paul and the writings in the New Testament and others really laid the groundwork for the abolition of slavery in places, centuries later, in places like England and the United States. Um, but uh, Paul was writing to bond servants. And slavery in the, in the Roman Empire in the first century, by all accounts, was not usually as brutal and oppressive as it was in our country in the past but it was slavery. These were people whose life was not their own. Their lives were at the mercy of others. And Paul wrote to them and said, even in your situation, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And he said to the masters, you too need to realize you have a master in heaven. And so keep that context in mind as you think about your work and as you hear what what uh, Paul is saying in this passage. And so some of you kind of have your dream job, right? <clears throat> some of you are, would probably say, you know, I am doing, if I could choose anything to do for my work, I am doing it. It might be that you're appreciated, you're compensated well, and, uh, and you kind of have your dream job. That would actually be my case. That's what I would say, really. But if that's you, realize that your work situation is far superior uh, than the vast majority of people who have ever lived. Most people have had very, very difficult, uh, hard work experiences. And so let that reality humble you to the core. Let it make you teachable 
as we go through this passage, to whom much is given, you, much is required. On the other hand, you may be on the other end of the spectrum and you say, yeah, I've got anything but my dream job. You may dread your work every week. You may be underappreciated, undercompensated. You, must, you may long for the day when you can get a different job or you long for the day when you can retire, finally be free to live your life. So your situation may be a lot closer to the people, the slaves that Paul was to whom Paul was writing. They did not have their dream job. They had to do things day after day after day that they didn't want to do, that they didn't choose to do. And yet Paul said to them, do your work heartily to the Lord. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. He said to them, it is possible for you to receive well done at the end of your day. And so take heart. It is possible for you to experience that same sense of pleasure as you do your work unto the Lord. And so let's dive into the passage. <clears throat> we're beginning, we're Colossians 3, 22 through 4, 1. And Paul simply says this, serve Christ through your work. If Christ is your Lord, if he is your master, serve him through your work. Notice the motivation and the focus Paul urges in verse 22. <clears throat> He says, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, <clears throat> not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. So he says, don't just work hard when your master is looking. He says, that's eye service. He said, don't just work hard and try to please your earthly master. That's people pleasing. He says, don't just fear your earthly master, fear the Lord, have this reverential awe for him. And if you do that, your ultimate desire is to please him. Let that inform how you do your work. If they, came more, if they cared more about what the Lord wants from them, they would do their work well all the time because the Lord is always watching. The Lord is always empowering. He is always with them. And he restates the idea in verses 23 and 24. He says, whatever you do, I would say that to you, whatever you do, whether you love it or you hate it, work heartily. In other words, work from the heart. Again, the heart is the command and control center of our lives. We live from the heart. And so instead of going through the motions, I'm just going to try to get to the end of this day or the end of this year or the end of this career. No, I'm going to do my work heartily by his grace unto him. Do you work heartily as for the Lord and not for men? And so their work was supposed to be an expression of their devotion to the Lord, right? And again, here at Faith, we, we don't have this two-tier two -tier view of the Christian life. I mean, I assume you want me to do my work heartily, right? You don't want me to fake it. You don't want me to show up here and say, well, I'm just telling these people this stuff. I don't really believe it. I don't really seek to live it out. No, you don't want that from me. God doesn't want that from you either. There's not the top tier that are in like Christian vocations and everybody else works because they have to. All of us, whatever you do, work for the Lord, not merely for other people. And so the idea here is you're, you are to say to Jesus this week, I'm not merely doing this work because I'm getting paid to do it. 
It's okay to get paid for what you do. That's the, way, that's the setup here on planet Earth. And I'm not merely doing this work because people are watching. It's good that people are watching. You are to please them as well. But ultimately, Lord, I am doing this work for you. I'm roofing this house for you. I am preaching this sermon for you. I am teaching these kids for you. I'm preparing these taxes for you. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Now, again, there is a sense in which we do our work for for other people, for the people that write the paycheck, for the people who benefit from our work. It would be very short-sighted if you said, I don't care what my boss thinks. You should care what your boss, your supervisor thinks. You should care what your clients or customers think. But ultimately, we seek to do our work for the Lord. And in a healthy society and in normal times, nine times out of ten, if you do your work for the Lord, your earthly master, your boss, they will love you. They will love the work you're doing because you are operating with higher standards that are generally expected. And so it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. In verse 25, Paul mentions the flip side of rewards, namely consequences for the wrong we have done, even in the context of work. He said, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And so the biblical authors are very consistent that there are consequences for sin. And here Paul says the believers who's careless or unfaithful in the context of their work, they too will will receive the consequences of that wrong. There are consequences oftentimes in this life. You don't always get called out. You don't always get... get, earthly consequences, but there are always loss of rewards in the next life. In the next verse, Paul addresses earthly masters. Colossians 4.1 reads, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And by the way, in these five verses we're looking at, uh, seven times the same word is used. Sometimes two, twice it's translated Lord, of God, uh, actually Jesus Christ, and five times it's translated master. And so it's the same word. So he tells earthly masters, you too have a master in heaven. And so Christians needed to understand they have the same, they live under the same spiritual reality as their servants. They too have a master, a Lord in heaven. So they, like their servants, they should do their work mindful of the fact that they too answer to someone. They too have a performance review waiting them, not just their servants. And so since they want their master to show them justice and fairness, they need to grant the same to their bond servants. And so our work situation, our work environment is very different from theirs, but the overarching principle is the same. If you are a person, uh, if you're at the top of the organizational chart, or if you're anywhere where there are unders, others under your authority, other people answer to you, you need to remember that you answer ultimately to the Lord in heaven. And just as you want him to show you justice and fairness, you show justice and fairness to those that work for you. They work under your authority. Hopefully the guidelines, the policies in your workplace would reinforce that, but we're talking about something much more, much deeper, something much more substantive here. We're talking about being generous and gracious, fair in the way you think about 
the people you work with, the people who work for you, generous and gracious and fair in the things you say and the way you, you treat them. The biblical ethic is that we are to treat others the way God in Christ has treated us. You could not be more gracious than God has been to you. So as followers of Christ, we are called to serve Christ through our work. And if I had to restate this, here's, here's the way I would think about it. And this is kind of a takeoff on something Dallas Willard once said. But in your work, you are to do your work the way Jesus would do your work if he had your job. Okay? And so you're asking the question, Jesus, if you were doing my work, how would you do it? What virtues would you bring? How would you speak? How would you act? And that's really the, the idea behind the image of the body of Christ. And so Christ was here bodily for about 33 years. When he went to heaven, he said to the church, you are now the body of Christ. You are my body. And so you are to embody, in a very real sense, we embody Jesus Christ. He dwells within us through the, the Holy Spirit. But corporately, we are to do the same things he would do if he were here. Well, he is here. He wants to live through us. And so as the body of Christ, we do the very works that Christ did in his body when he was walking around in his body. And so what we do in our work lives matter. The best hours of our week definitely matter to Christ. Well, this week, again, I asked a couple of people here at Faith to reflect on their experience, their, their workplace experience. And again, I think you'll find that their insights are are very, uh, very valuable. I hope they stimulate your thinking and your work. The first person that uh, gave me some, some input was an, is an elementary school teacher. She works with small groups of kids, uh, primarily kids that are struggling academically, and her observation is that these kids also tend to struggle emotionally and socially. And in terms of serving Christ through her work, she writes this. She says, my relationship with Christ affects every area of my life and interaction I have with others. That's true whether I'm at school or at the grocery store or at church. When my focus is on Christ, I bring the fruits of the Spirit with me. And when I strive to embody Scripture, it is easier to provide encouragement, joy, and empathy to staff and others. And so she gets what we talked about last week. The main thing you bring, bring to work is yourself. And she realizes that. So she says, I want to bring the fruit of the Spirit to my work. I want to immerse my mind and myself in Scripture. And I want that to guide the way that I treat others. She wants to embody that. And consequently, she has opportunities to influence people. She says, by focusing daily on Christ and his teachings... My attitude and emotions are different from that of many people. People notice this in her. This has given me the opportunity to share that I am a believer and, and I want to share the joy Christ gives me. I pray daily for our students, staff, and school community. And so because she does what we talked about last week, she pays close attention to herself and her work. People notice it and she has opportunities to talk about this is why I have this life. This is what you see in me. And she prays for people. This is the wild card in every workplace, okay? When you go above every organization, you go straight to the top and you talk to God. Say, God, this is what I'd like to see you do. I mean, all that. So we don't understand exactly how prayer works, but prayer moves the hand 
of God. She prays for people. Because of who she is, the way she does her work, because she prays, she has opportunities. And that's been my observation over the years. You know, people that do their work well, uh, people who uh, wear the fruit of the Spirit to work, they clothe themselves with humility and kindness and patience. And people who do their work well, people respect them. They respect what they can see about them. Therefore, many times they're interested in what they can't see about them, namely their faith. And the opposite is true. If people don't like you, honestly, they don't like the way you speak. They don't like the way you treat people. If people don't really respect the way you do your work, why would they want to know about your faith? I mean, why would that be the case? It's not the case. But if you, if you embody uh, the, the, the uh, virtues, the fruit of the Spirit, man, the sky is the limit. And for those of you that are in education, that are teachers, I, I would just say never underestimate the power of your life on people. Some of you are preparing for that career. I've mentioned before, I still keep up with three of my high school teachers. Uh, Ms. Gregg, my math teacher, Ms. Nicholson, my English teacher, and Mrs. Ratliff, my Latin teacher. That's my mom, right? And so they're all in their... They're all in their 80s and 90s, and when I'm home, I still go visit them, and uh, I'm just eternally grateful for the investment they made in my life. You can have that impact as well. Well, the second person who shared about their work is an RA. He's a resident assistant in a dorm at K-State, and uh, he said he's not merely a hall monitor, although he is that. He breaks up parties and he enforces rule, rules, but he writes this. He says, above all, I am the frontline person if residents have a problem. Everything from where a building is located on campus to the resident crying due to life, mental health issues, stress of school, you name it. An RA is expected to be there for residents, to help educate and empathize with them as they go through the year. A good RA is a good friend, one who loves you even through the times where it is tough. This dude sounds like a pastor, right? Listen to how he seeks to serve Christ through his work. He says, my relationship with Christ completely encompasses my work as an RA. This position is all about interacting with people, residents, coworkers, supervisors. There are days when I don't want to talk with residents or I have schoolwork I need to do. There are times when I could easily ignore residents, focus on myself, maybe turn a blind eye to someone breaking the rules because I feel tired, but that is not what I am called to do. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And if Jesus prioritized others with a sacrificial love, then I am to do so as well. Don't you love that? So he seeks to imitate Christ in serving other people. And so the main thing he brings to his work is himself. He comes armed and, and fortified with this biblical grid. I'm not, I'm not going to work to be served. That's not my goal. I am going to serve others. And this is how he thinks about the influence he can have. He says, being an RA puts me in a good spot to influence others. Sometimes people have come to me simply because I was the RA. They didn't have... They didn't know where else to go. These opportunities are great for sharing the gospel or giving advice. I hear a lot about their lives, and I give them advice on classes, dating, and many other weird topics. Still sounds like a pastor, right? 
Listen to what he says next. He says, above all, my time as an RA has deepened my prayer life. And this is, this is no small thing. Our work forms us, for better or for worse. If we're paying attention to Christ, if we want to serve Christ through our work, it will form who we are uh, in a good way. He says, my time as an RA has deepened my prayer life. Often spiritual conversations don't go very far or they get shut down by, down by other conversation topics. However, I see, I see students in tough spots stress from classes, issues with relationships, brokenness as they seek fulfillment where it won't be found. I have found that, especially this year, it has driven me to my knees in prayer. Get this. He says, I have spent more time praying that residents would, seek, would succeed at their chem tests and calc tests, etc., than I have ever praying for a test that I had. Living with these people allows me to see their hurts, pains, and struggles. Often these are the topics of my prayers. The best way I can serve my residents is to take their problems to someone who can help. And K-State does have a lot of resources for just about everything, tutoring, mental health, sexual assault victims, and many more. But none of those resources, none of those resources can help as Christ does. So I take their problems to the one who can handle every problem. And so just like the first example, just like the teacher, this is somebody who is devoted to prayer. If you pray for people, it will be one of the most sacrificial things you do because you are taking spiritual and mental energy that you could invest, that you would invest in something else. Something else. You're investing it in the people you encounter in your work. And so that's going way beyond his job description, way beyond eye service, way beyond people pleasing. It is the Lord Christ whom he serves. And so this is my, my encouragement to you. This week, as you go through your work, again, whatever it is, whether you get paid for it or not, whether it's your dream job or you dread it, go into it asking the question, if Jesus had my job, if he had my role, how would he think? How would he speak? How would he act? And you go, you immerse your mind in scripture, you, you come prepared with the fruit of the spirit and you walk into these situations and you see what God does. Pray for people. Again, that's the wild card in the workplace. Pray for people. Be ready to, to talk about the hope within you. Why you are who you are, are why you do what you do and see what God does. Every single person you encounter in your workplace this week is created in the image of God himself. And every single person you encounter in your work this week is fighting a great battle. And for some of them, not a single other person knows about it. Every single person you encounter in your work this week is loved by God infinitely. And because they matter to God, they matter to you. Heavenly Father, we're asking that you would give us the will and the ability to embody these things. God, we don't want to, to kind of shuffle through life mindlessly. We don't want to just gut out <clears throat> our work week or our whole career. God, we want to, to see you infuse it with significance uh, not only the, the work we do, uh, but God, the, uh, the relationships that kind of come along with it.
And so, God, this week we want to bring the fruit of the Spirit. We want to bring, uh, we want to bring you to work. We want to clothe ourselves with humility and kindness, patience and justice. And God, we pray you give us the diligence we need to do our work well. And God, we want to be prepared to talk about the hope within us. It's all for your glory. You're so gracious to us. We want to be gracious to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're able, would you stand with us? for his name. 
my reward Fear is gone and hope is sure Christ is mine forevermore Come rejoice now, oh my soul For His love is my reward Fear is gone and hope is sure Christ is today, I'm going to lead us in a prayer uh, that just articulates that our giving is an act of worship. And so if you come prepared to give today, you can do so by placing your offering in the boxes at the back as you leave. As an act of worship, let's pray this prayer out loud together today. Gracious God, everything we have comes from you. You fill us with good things. Our hearts and lives overflow with your abundance. With thanksgiving, we bring to you our time, talents, and tithes. Use these gifts that you have given us to feed others as we have been fed, to serve others as we have been served, and to bless others as we have been blessed. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Amen. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle, and nothing can stand against the mighty fortress and almighty fortress. Yeah, you go before us. Nothing can stand against.
Nothing's gonna stop my song Cause I know that the rock of ages It's what we're standing on And I will never fear about him That you've already won I know And no fear Can stop my praises And no worries Can stop my praises And no fear No fear Can stop my praises No worries Can stop my praise No fear, no fear, no fear Can stop my praise Say no worries, no worries Can stop my praise